The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday presented by DraftKings, and we've got the civilian GOAT, as in greatest of all time, Greg Cosell from NFL Films University. We're only a week away, by the way, from the kickoff of NFL matchup season with Greg. We'll have to ask him about that because we've got matchups starting a week from today. It's the Bills and the Rams. It's the 2022 NFL season. Very exciting. I'm coming to you today from Birmingham, Alabama. My college football season starts tonight with the UAB Blazers hosting the Alabama A&M Bulldogs, an HBCU school that's been fantastic the last couple of years. So very much looking forward to that. You can check me out on your televisions, CBS Sports Network. 8 p.m. Eastern time. I also have a bunch of winners to give away. The Spread the Word winner, the Sponsor Confirmation email winner, the YouTube shout-out winner, and hopefully all of you guys are following me at Ross Tucker NFL and at Ross Tucker Pod on Twitter because we're giving away free copies of Madden as well. Free codes, really. I've got They gave me some codes. So make sure you've got your eyes peeled because we're giving away those codes on Madden, which is awesome. But not quite as awesome as Greg Cosell. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. Always great to talk with the wonderful Greg Cosell. And obviously next week, Greg, we will be full throttle into the biggest games, your breakdowns, what we should be looking for, matchups that intrigue you. I mean, next week it gets serious from a regular season standpoint. What we've had the last couple of days, Greg, and everybody should follow him at Greg Cosell, we've had a lot of transactions, right? We had all the final cuts, and we had some waiver claims. We did have a few trades, and no one's better to break down who these guys are as players that have been involved in some of these moves than you. Let's start with the interesting trade with the Saints yeah. and the Eagles as the Saints traded – uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson or C.J. Gardner-Johnson to the Philadelphia Eagles. I guess it's 
Uh, Garner Johnson and a seven to the Eagles for a sixth and a fifth round pick. Uh, we don't get into the compensation that much, Greg. That's more of an Andrew Brandt thing. Your thing is, who is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson as a player? What are the Eagles getting? What are the Saints losing? Yeah, I, I think he's a really good player. Um, with the Saints, he predominantly played slot corner. Um, but if you go back to when he was at Florida, for his first couple of years at Florida, he played safety before they moved him in his last year there to, to the nickel. But within the context of the Eagles defense, which I think will be starting out as a quarters structure, Ross, and you may know this because obviously you did the Eagles preseason games. I'm sure you've had an opportunity to speak to Jonathan Gannon. But I think that the Eagles will start out with a quarter structure. And I think within the context of that defense, you will see Gardner Johnson probably be the weak side safety. Um, and Marcus Epps will be the strong side safety. Now, keep in mind, as you know, quarters coverage is really a matchup zone concept. So even though it's zone in, in the way people think about it, it's really a matchup defense. So Gardner Johnson is more than capable of matching up man to man against quality wide receivers and even tight ends. Uh, so I think that's where you'll see him in the context of the Eagles defense. And he's a very good player. He brings an edge. Um, I think it was a very good move for the Eagles. You know, what I like about it, Greg, is they sort of now have two safeties that are really pretty good cover guys that they feel good about in coverage. Yeah. And so they can really – you know how they can sort of spin the safeties before. I don't know that they wanted Anthony Harris to be matched up in certain coverage situations. Yeah. And so that sort of dictated what Gannon could do. Now I know you said Epps more to the strong and, and Garner Johnson to the weak, but my point would be those guys could almost be interchangeable in the sense that it's not like one's a clear strong safety nope. and one's a clear free safety. And, and the thing is, is Jonathan Gannon is starting to move toward, and I think this is what he wants to do. He didn't do as much last year simply because I think he didn't feel he had the personnel to do it. But I think ultimately what you're going to see is Jonathan Gannon, their D coordinator, moved a little bit more toward the Vic Fangio model of, of defense where you start in quarters and when you're in quarters with your safeties a little closer to the line of scrimmage than let's say cover two you can go to anything from quarters Ross so there's a a, a natural disguise and late movement element to quarters because you can go to anything it's not defined like let's say you have a true free safety in the middle of the field and your strong safety up on the line of scrimmage it's tougher to disguise and move late from that look. Whereas when you're in quarters, you can go to anything. So you're going to see a lot more of that without getting into the weeds of all the different coverages that can exist from a quarter structure. But that's where I think this Eagles defense is moving toward. You know, just any thoughts, Greg, um, on it from the perspective of the New Orleans Saints moving on from Gardner Johnson. I guess uh, they feel they feel good about their depth. Yeah, and and you know it, it comes down. Look, I, I I can't speak to to their 
cap situation and to what they have to do in the next year or two. Very often that's how teams make decisions. Um, Gardner Johnson is a very good football player. Uh, again, I don't know the other players that they may have to sign. I don't know what he, he was asking for. Um, I don't know any of that. Um, I do know the tape tells you that he's a good player. So they obviously felt maybe they couldn't sign him. Maybe they, who knows? I can't speak to that at all, to be honest with you, Ross, but he's a good player. The other trade um, that that was particularly interesting to me, again, involved the Eagles, but this time it was the Vikings acquiring the player, and that's Jalen Rager, the first-round pick wide receiver in 2020 for the Eagles, who, interestingly enough, they took ahead of Justin Jefferson, now goes to the Vikings. It's uh, Rager to the Vikings for a seventh-round pick next year, and then a fourth-round pick in 2024 that could come back to being a, a fifth-round pick if he doesn't hit certain statistics. I guess it's funny because I had a friend reach out who's uh, you know follows the Vikings and and asked me you know what what went wrong with Rager? What's what are the issues with Rager? I have my ideas, Greg, but you're the guy that's watched him a lot. Heck, you watched him coming out of college, and now you watched him a lot for the Eagles. What is Jalen Rager? Where did it go wrong? What what are his issues? Yeah, you may know more about other stuff that's not on the field than I do because obviously you're there more than I am doing the games. Um, you know, Rager, when he came out, was pretty much a consensus pick. I don't mean consensus in that uh, – that he should have been taken, you know, let's say before Jefferson or whatever, but that, that that's, we're not going to get into that. But when I say consensus pick, people thought of him as a legit first rounder, early second rounder at worst. It wasn't, you know, a reach. It wasn't, oh my God, what, what are the Eagles doing taking this kid? You know, his college tape was strong. He looked like he fit the NFL game extremely well because he was really good with the ball in his hands. And we see how the game has evolved where receivers now get the ball on jet sweeps in the screen game. You know, not everything is intermediate and vertical throws. So he seemed to fit the NFL game extremely well. I can't tell you what went wrong because I'm not there, but I think he still has talent. Now, obviously in Philadelphia, it didn't work. And he had some, some dramatic, well-known drops. Um, I didn't think he had bad hands coming out of college, uh, he'll get an opportunity there as the number three, possibly, although K.J. Osborne is a receiver that I really, really like. And I think that's going to be an uphill battle for Jalen Rager, but he could end up being there four. I mean, I think he'll likely make the roster, but I, you know, I can't tell you what went wrong because I thought he was a talented prospect coming out of college that had three-dimensional ability and fit the NFL game. So... You know, I don't pretend to be a wide receiver expert, Greg. Um, but what I noticed, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, I did not think, um, especially as compared to some of the other guys I've seen, I did not think he was a great route runner. I, I didn't think Rager created a lot of natural separation. Yep. I thought his hands were inconsistent. Uh, they to were be in the kind, NFL, for sure. To be kind. And then... You know, he definitely has an explosive element, 
And, you know, he have, he would have like a training camp practice, Greg, where it looked like he jumped 50 inches, you know, a training camp well, yeah. pra- catch. He would jump 50 inches in the air or he would he would show the speed sometimes. But I guess I would say overall he didn't he wasn't quite as um, explosive, I guess, as I thought he was going to be. Right. Um, or maybe he just didn't wasn't really able to uncork that. Because I know you watch some of the college video and you're like, oh, my goodness, this guy's got rocket boosters up his butt. I don't know that we ever really saw. I mean, I think maybe once or I think he had a punt return once, but I just didn't. I think he, I think it was a combination of he didn't get a ton of separation. Like he wasn't a great route runner. Yeah, he wasn't. His, his explosiveness didn't translate as much as I thought it would. And then you combine those with inconsistent hands and he becomes not not a top three receiver for most teams. No, and I think your point about the route running is, is interesting because there were snaps in college where I thought he showed some nuance and some detail as a route runner. And I thought without knowing the kid and, you know, you may know, like I said, may, may, know, may know more than I do, but I thought there was something to work with. Now, I don't think that was developed. Now, I can't tell you whether... It wasn't developed because of the kid just not taking to coaching. You know, that's the stuff you have to be there every day to know. But it never quite happened because you're right. He, you never really saw that on tape. You never saw the kind of detail and nuance and subtlety that's demanded to be a quality wide receiver in this league. Receivers in this league are not great, as you well know, Ross, simply because they can run fast. That 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 may be one of the least important traits uh, in this league, just you know, that's why the the combine where you see guys run a four three five and people get excited and they're doing it in a track stance. That's not really relevant to playing wide receiver in the NFL. So, I don't think he ever really advanced in his any kind of refinement as a route runner. Speaking of wide receivers and Minnesota, uh, a former Golden Gopher, Tyler Johnson, I think surprisingly got released. By the Bucks, he got claimed on waivers yeah. by the Texans. I guess the Bucks just have that many good receivers because he had done some nice things for them, Greg. Yeah, and if you see the list of their receivers, obviously it appears that Julio Jones has had a nice camp and that he'll certainly be in the mix. And I'm, I'm pretty certain, like you, you might know, I don't think Chris Godwin is ready week one. So, um, you know, Jones is likely to get meaningful snaps. Um, they obviously like Scotty Miller a lot. Um, he's made plays for them. You know, I think Tyler Johnson is one of those guys that is is a certain kind of receiver, and there are certain teams he might find a place on uh, because he's not a vertical receiver. He doesn't have speed. Um, he's kind of a short to intermediate receiver. And I think if you're looking for receivers and looking for competition, then he's a, a guy you might grab just like the Texans are. Um particularly since they lost John Mechie for the season. So, you know, that makes sense. But I think when you do look at the list of receivers on the Bucks, he kind of falls into that category where if he made it, you'd say, okay, he made it. But the fact that he didn't is probably not a big surprise. Yeah, I think, honestly, I think the Bucks are just kind of loaded at receiver. I think they he's are. a good player, and I think the Texans aren't. And, you know, yeah. he's, he's you know, sometimes we overcomplicate it. 
He wasn't quite good enough to be one of the five guys for the Bucks that was going to play a lot, but he is for the Texans. So I mean, could he could he be the guy who who plays the slot for Houston because they're looking for receivers because they'll have Cooks and Nico Collins, who I think will be an ascending player this year. Uh, could he be that guy and fill that role? He probably could, but that's the kind of role specific player he is. All right, let's get to a couple of quarterbacks, Greg. That. We're taken in the mid-rounds last year. Kellen Mond in the third round, Ian Book in the fourth round. Mond by the Vikings, Book by the Saints. Gosh, a lot of Vikings and Saints talk today. And then Mond gets released after one year. I know a lot of people really liked him, claimed by the Browns. And Ian Book actually got claimed by the Eagles. What can you tell me about those two quarterbacks, Greg? Because it's only their second year. Yeah, I mean, I think Mond was was – probably a guy that you thought would need time if he was to become a starting NFL quarterback. Uh, he was a four-year player at Texas A&M. He had 44 starts in the SEC. Um, you know, I thought he was an interesting evaluation because I thought there was incremental improvement each and every year. But I don't think when you watched his tape, you felt that, wow, this guy is has special traits. I thought at his core, he was a pocket quarterback. He was a short to intermediate thrower. The ball came out well in that area. Um, he turned it loose. Um, you know, I thought that there was a little bit of a robotic feel to his game. Um, he needs structure for him to be effective. Obviously, a new coaching staff in Minnesota and Kevin O'Connell obviously felt, again, we're not there, but obviously felt that he was not the guy. And I think that he's the kind of quarterback that some would have liked and others would have felt, ah, he's a, he's a backup type, you know, based on, on his college tape and based on his traits. So, you know, it's only a surprise because of where he was drafted. I'm not sure if it's a surprise based on his, his traits and his skill set and the fact that you have a new coaching staff. And then what about Ian book? Uh, It's funny. Both these guys, I felt like Greg started for their colleges for like four years I mean, Ian Book was Notre Dame's quarterback forever, it felt like. So probably not a great look if you're getting cut after one year when you have yeah. that much college uh, experience. Book to me, and again, it's funny, I spoke with uh, with people at the Saints, and, and, and I know that Sean Payton liked him, which is why they drafted him where they did. Um, I did not like Book on tape a whole lot. I thought he was an instinct quarterback. He was not a timing rhythm pocket thrower. Um he obviously had good mobility, made a lot of second reaction plays. Um, I thought there would be serious questions about his ability to execute an NFL passing game with its emphasis on timing and route progressions. Um, I didn't think he had a very good feel in the pocket, and he's six feet tall. Um, I thought he was, at best, a developmental prospect. I thought, to be honest, and, and I was surprised where he was drafted, I thought he was a free agent-type quarterback coming out of college. Um, and I felt like he may never be a good enough thrower to be an NFL quarterback. So, I, you know, to me, I, I did not think Ian Book was, was a draftable player um, and certainly not a fourth-round pick, which I believe is where he was drafted. But obviously, you know, from what I was told, Sean Payton really liked him. Sean Payton's not there anymore. So, you know, maybe that's probably what happened. Well, and if if uh, Ian's parents are listening, we're sure he's a heck. We're, we're sure he's a heck of a kid. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey, for people, hey, for people who know me, you know, and I actually met Ian Book. You know, 
they know none of this is personal. I mean, no, I, you're going by what you see. This is Absolutely. What I, this is all based on tape, the eye in the sky. That's what I saw watching watching his tape at uh, at Notre Dame. You know, I got to ask you, uh, Greg, about O.J. Howard. You know, yeah. I remember, I know he had a major injury, but it was still kind of stunning to me to see the Buffalo Bills just release him. I don't know. I thought he was going to the Bengals, but then the Bengals claimed – Dalton Keynes, I don't even know, to be honest with you, if the, if the Bengals ended up signing him. But what was O.J. Howard? Because he must not be that coming off the injury, Greg. I don't know if you guys yeah, watched again, him in the preseason, but what was I, I watched him a bit in the preseason, and I thought, again, just seeing the games, not being in practice every day, I thought he, he showed well in the games. He was actually a very good blocker for them in the run game, and I thought maybe he'd make the team because of that, because – because Dawson Knox is much more of a flexed, detached tight end than a true attached inline blocker, Ross, as you know. Um, but they obviously kept Tommy Sweeney, the former BC tight end, and they kept Morris, um, who apparently had a very, very good camp. So they did not feel Howard was good enough. Howard has always been kind of an enigma because he's big. He could run. Maybe he can't run the way he used to. And he, he appeared to be, coming out of Alabama, almost the perfect tight end for the NFL game, and it never quite worked out. So, again, I, we don't know him personally, so I can't – I don't know that. But he's now one of those guys that certainly has a journeyman tag, and maybe someone signs him, maybe someone doesn't. You know, it's, I guess it's possible his career could be over. But he was a first-round pick, and he appeared to have the talent – that would, would allow him to flourish in the NFL. Uh, he'll get signed. You know what? There just aren't that many tight ends that can block. And everybody ends up wanting one guy at least yeah. that can kind of block a little bit. So I would think he would get signed. Greg, you are the man. Next week, man, it's it's real. Next week, the game's uh, yeah. real. We'll be talking a week from today. We'll be talking about the Rams and the Bills and some of the other big games in week one. Thank you so much. All right, Ross. Appreciate it. Thanks. I appreciate Greg, and I really appreciate Symbol, the stock market for sports. These guys are geniuses. They're young guys, and they have combined the worlds of sports betting and fan engagement by making sports fandom profitable. Symbol lets you trade and pro and college teams like stocks. You can earn cash dividend payouts. I mean, the Pro Football Focus called them the perfect blend of sports and the stock market. It's awesome. You basically buy and sell shares of teams. And obviously, if you think a team is undervalued, then buy them. If you think they're overvalued, don't buy them. Or if you have them, sell them. It's really cool. I mean, they're legitimately combining the stock market and fandom. Download the Symbol mobile app. It's free for iOS by searching S-I-M-B-U-L-L in the App Store and use promo code ROSS so they know I sent you to earn a free team stock valued up to $150 upon signing up. So you get basically $150 upon signing up. That's code ROSS to claim your free stock on the symbol S-I-M-B-U-L-L mobile app.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. Let's uh, continue the discussion on Jalen Rager. The Eagles give up on him, essentially, trading him to the Vikings for a 2023 seventh and a conditional 2024 fourth round pick. Well, you know, it had been going the wrong way for Jalen, and he was going to be the fifth receiver. And his salary for this year and next year is guaranteed. So I think the Eagles, it gives them some flexibility. They don't have to have that guaranteed salary on the books for a fifth receiver. You know, I thought there was a chance. He had a really good camp, I thought. A a very solid camp. I thought he'd end up helping them this year if they had injuries to the top three guys. But Deion Kane, who they put on practice squad, had a really good camp as well. I think the Eagles felt like, hey, if we can get something for Rager now, including a a fourth-round pick, you know, that's significant enough to get his salary off the books and maybe a change of scenery would do him good. They get a couple picks locked in, get the salary, get the guaranteed money off their salary cap. And I don't think that they think that they're really worse for the wear. Uh, You and Greg already talked about Ian Book and Kellen Mond, but what about the Bears claiming Alex Leatherwood and Texans' Tyler Johnson? Well, you spoke about that one already. Yeah, yeah, these are the ones that jumped out to me the most, Brian. I mean, there's a lot of guys that got claimed. We'll get into that. Uh, But we already talked about all these other guys other than Alex Leatherwood. I am surprised that the Bears claimed him. They are the only team that claimed him. He's now guaranteed $6 million from the Bears the next three years. And, you know, maybe it's worth a shot for the Bears because of how bad their O-line is. You know, they're all calling it a no-brainer. Bears fans all call it a no-brainer. He's The Bears are the only team that claimed him, the only one. So it's not a no-brainer because he's been so bad, the Raiders, who already gave him like $8 million, didn't want to even work with him a second year. So, I don't know. If I'm the Bears, I would have taken my chances to try to get him as a free agent. I don't think I would have taken on that contract because he's been really bad. Really bad. So, I would not have, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have done that if I were the Bears because I just wouldn't have wanted to be guaranteeing a guy $6 million who might stink. Ducks takes. Packers signed safety Rudy Ford. Chargers signed Sony Michelle. And the Lions cut David Blau. And sign Nate Sudfeld. So what's interesting to me about that, Bri, is, you know, Rudy Ford was on the Jags. The Jags cut him. And the Jags are not a good team. Now, maybe they'll be better this year or whatever. Um, but they're not a good team. And yet they cut him. But then the Packers sign him. One of the best teams, right? So uh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. Sony Michelle brings a bigger back. Uh, between the tackles back element to the Chargers. And then, yeah, I think that the Lions, as as much as people like David Blau is good hard knock story, I think the Lions 
realize that Sudfeld's just a better backup. He's just a better player. There's a reason why the, the Niners gave him $2 million guaranteed this offseason. It's actually kind of surprising that they that they released him after the $2 million guaranteed. Ducks takes. So speaking of the Bears and the Jags, uh, Chicago claims six players, Jags claim five. So it's a pretty good indicator usually of where you are as a franchise, right? If you're claiming a lot of players at final cutdowns, you're not feeling great about your roster. You're, you're feeling like there's a lot of room for improvement. And so I look at it from a player's perspective of six guys thought they made the Bears, five guys thought they made the Jags, and they didn't. So it's great news for the guys that got claimed and a tough, tough gut punch for the guys that eventually got waived because of all these claims. Ducks takes. So the Jags claim five, the Bears claim six. How about the Jets who claim seven? No, they had seven guys claimed, Bri. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, no, that's okay. But think about that. Seven guys, the New York Jets, who, I don't know, we talked about their season win total on the Even Money podcast. I think it's five and a half games, which means DraftKings is expecting the Jets to win five or six games, which means they had more guys claimed on waivers than they're expected to win football games this year. You know, so what it tells you is the Jets have done a nice job at the bottom of the roster getting uh, depth, getting a bunch of good players, but evidently not as good of a job at the top of the roster and in particular at the quarterback position. But seven guys claimed is significant. So that's sort of a feather in Joe Douglas's cap. I know Howie Roseman said to us in a meeting, and I said this during the last game, that you know, he takes it as a compliment when people claim some of their players. I think the Eagles had Blackwell got claimed and Jack Anderson got claimed. And obviously, the Jets fans and Joe Douglas should take it as a compliment. Speaking of fans, Bri, we've got some winners to give away. Let's get some Mike Singletary in here. I want winners. I want people that want to win. So we got a lot of people winning stuff these days. I mean... I'm about to, uh, this morning, let the Madden winner from last night know. I don't think I'll do another Madden giveaway today. I might, but I got a game tonight, so I don't know if I'll do that or not. Um, but uh, I'll let the Madden winner know. Again, make sure you're following us, at Ross Tucker NFL, at Ross Tucker Pod, because I've got, I think I have eight Madden codes to give away, which is pretty exciting. Then you've got Jason Champagne, who's just the spread the word winner, because he quote tweeted Andrew from Tuesday night's podcast talking about how important it is, how you leave a franchise, how that matters. So good for Jason there. Jason, let me know if you want to sign a picture from me, a signed press pass. I got a bunch of cool ones now. Um, I still have a bunch of good ones from last year or a signed football card. I love getting these to you guys. Same for Aaron McDaniel. Aaron McDaniel took advantage of the code over Athletic Greens. He got himself some AG1. He's the sponsor confirmation email winner. And then George Langevin, L-A-N-G-E-V-I-N. I hope I'm saying that right, George. He uh, subscribed and commented on YouTube, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. So, George, I will give you a shout-out, a personal shout-out. Let me know what you want, brother. Uh, speaking of shout-outs, our latest patron, Preston Lee. Welcome to the family, Preston. Patreon.com slash RT Media. 
Preston wants, I think, the even money bets each week, I don't blame you. I mean, for 10 bucks a month to be able to see all the even money bets in black and white and be able to track our bets without having to just write them down while you're listening to Even Money Podcast makes a whole lot of sense to me. Shout outs, of course, to Pizza Boy Brewing, Sporticulture, HumanHeadNYC.com, SteakhouseSports.com, Go-Bangles.com, Evergreen Economics, and of course, the greatest gift you can give someone, MyFrontPageStory.com. Remember, plenty of other shows this week, including today's Fantasy Feast podcast that you can listen to to get ready for your fantasy football draft. You can also listen to the other shows the rest of the weekend. Have a terrific, safe weekend. You guys know if you check out the start of the CBS Sports Network game at 8 o'clock and you take a screenshot of me on the TV or you watching me on the TV, I will retweet it. I love doing that. I love it. makes me lets me know you guys are watching. We'll be back bright and early Monday morning with the first power ranking show of the 2022 NFL season. Get fired up. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.